And today's message, I tried to figure out what was the best way to introduce it, and I've kind of went back and forth, so let me um, contemplate with you. How many of you watch the DIY, always get that mixed up with FYI a little bit, uh, getting the orders wrong, do-it-yourself kinds of builders or house builders or have involved, been involved in a remodeling of your own, and you've seen those different aspects of a house and situation and maybe you bought a house that had some challenges or maybe you don't own a house but you live in a location and it has some challenges to it and you try to spruce things up and so you can relate to some of those do-it-yourself channels or or do-it-yourself they fix it up they organize it And I want you to kind of think in that context as we look at our scripture and things today, this concept of of a house and this concept sometimes of a heart house. And and think about your house. If you think about a floor plan and you come into the house and you open up the door and there you are and you're going to call it what you call it. You're going to call it an entryway or a foyer or whatever you're going to call it. It's the front door. It's the front closet. It's and there's a back door, and you might call it a boot room, or a shoe room, or a mud room, or a throw-it-all room, or whatever. But think about your house and how it's laid out, and, and think about when you come over and you have company come to the house. Some of you might have just a pristine house, and some of you, when your house is just golden and pristine, when somebody's co- co- coming over, you say, oh, I've got to clean up the house. And others that come to your house would look at it, and you say, clean what? And you might have, especially if you have kids around, and it could be kids of any age, but you might have kids around, you know, you come in, you got the, you got the area that people come into for the party, and then there's that one room, you know, that you remind the kids, keep that door shut. Don't go in there, because it's where everything's at. It's, you know, you can't get all the dirt under the carpet, some things have to go in that, that room. And you know you're planning on cleaning it up, but it's, you know, it's that room, and, and maybe you can relate to that. And then also think about if you're, if you're rebuilding something, and you're rebuilding a house, and maybe you've watched some of these shows on TV where they try to flip the house, or they try to get them to pick whether they want to keep the house or sell the house, or they're just trying to improve the house. Invariably, you, there's certain areas that you can kind of paint over it, right? But... It's been painted over for years, and they look behind the wall because the inspectors are going to be coming. Lo and behold, it's the, it's the plumbing mess. What were they thinking? Or it's the, we found mold. You know, mold's one of those things you could paint over it with the, and then it comes out, and then you paint over it, and then it comes out, and then you paint over it. Some of those things have to come, they're just kind of there, but you've, you've desired to do something good, and you desire to make it nice and special, and you get there, and then all of a sudden, you want to move this wall, but it's a bearing wall, so you can't do that, or this one's rotted out, and you've got to replace that. Now you're out of money, and you can't fix the bathroom. So you know how it goes. So think about those things as we look at some of our scripture today. And I wanted to, we would, we're going to read a scripture in the early part of the service, but I forgot, so I apologize for that. So we're going to do it now. I want us to turn to Proverbs 16.25. Proverbs 16.25, and uh, I'll read this just to kind of set the context. Proverbs 
Oops, I guess I got to get there myself. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You know, we look out at others today and those that have walked on this earth a little longer than some that are younger than us. We have seen before the ends of the paths that some people are on, and there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end of death. And... and uh, Sometimes things seem like they're a good idea for some, but they don't have wise counsel, or it's, it's good in their own minds. And sometimes they think God's not, it might challenge what God is saying, just like Satan did to Eve in the garden. She says, well, Jesus, uh, excuse me, God said that we would die if we ate of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. She didn't say that the knowledge of the fruit Excuse me, she didn't say all of that. She said, but we're told not to eat of that tree. If we eat of that tree, we might surely, we would die. And Satan says, you won't surely die. And there's some people that they go and they have their house and they're wanting to remodel it and they're trying to make some changes and they're going to change it. And somebody might say, be careful when you change that because this is going to happen. Oh, that surely won't happen. Satan is out to deceive many trying to confuse many, and even in the churches. The, the question is, people, are people trying to walk towards God or walk with God, or are we trying to find out how close to hell we can walk without falling in? How much can I get away with and still be called a Christian? How, how close can I walk that walk? But we really want to be walking towards God. In Revelations, it's talk about we shouldn't be lukewarm or we become God's vomit. He says, I will spew you out if you're lukewarm. We should be walking towards God. And if you're worried about backsliding and going away from God, you know, there's something that you can do to get closer, to get closer to God. We should be all in for Jesus. All in for Jesus. So let's turn to a passage of Scripture, uh, Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. I want to introduce a, uh, this thought a little bit more. And we're going to talk about the old man. Not the old chronological man, but the old man. Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God and to righteousness and holiness. Now I want you to pick up a couple words in there, several in contrast, you have the old man and you have the new man. Put off the old man, put on the 
new man. It's like I'm, I'm changing coats. I'm shaking off the old shoes, putting on the new shoes. I'm taking off the old coat. I'm putting on the new coat. Put off the old man. And what does it say about the old man? Verse 22, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful, deceitful lust. It grows corrupt. You think about that mold. You put off the old man, your former conduct. Concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt. So we think about this old man and corruption. Think about mold. This old man, corruption, put that off. Take on the new man. We want to be walking towards God, get closer to God. And it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I want you to remember, renewed in the spirit of your mind. Remember, renewed in the spirit of your mind. I'll come back in a few minutes. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. He wants us to put on a new man created, and he talks about holiness and righteousness. Holiness and righteousness. Now, now let's go to 1 Corinthians 2.13 through 2.13, and we're going to read through that, a couple verses, and I'll go into 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's not a long passage. Old man, new man, becomes corrupt, renewing your mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses, verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, natural man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritual, spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritually, he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that they may instruct him? But we have the mind of mind of Christ. Natural man, we're going to continue reading in just a second. Natural man. Spiritual. Natural man, verse 14. Verse 15. Spiritual because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual, so we have he who is natural in 14, we talk those that are spiritual in 15, now in chapter 3, verse 1, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Carnal there, some of your translations will say worldly, some of your translations might say fleshly. We're going to use carnal, Gives us a nice distinction here. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and 
behaving like mere men, for where one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? So we have three states there. We have the natural man. For brevity, the natural man is unsaved. The carnal man, or fleshly man, when I say carnal man, I mean man or woman. Carnal, fleshly, worldly, it gives us the definition that says, I speak to you not as speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, verse 1 of chapter 3, as to babes in Christ. They're babes in Christ. Distinguished, the third state then is spiritual. Having taken on, basically, the new man. The old man, that mold, so to speak, that carnal nature, that sin nature, is there in both the natural man and in the babe in Christ. We have forgiveness of our sins, but there remains within us this sin nature that we're born with, is what we're talking about. And when the sin nature is still there, you're still in this babe in Christ, still in this carnal, carnal state. You think about a baby. What's a baby naturally do? They sit there and they've got the chocolate all over their face. Did you take my chocolate bar? No, I didn't take your chocolate bar. They're looking right at you. They're innocent as can be in, in the sense of they haven't have, don't understand the concept, but they're in this self-preparation. What's another child do? If you've ever worked with children and several children in the same area, what, do you, what are they going to say? They're going to reach over, they see something they want, some other kid's playing with it, especially if they're a little bigger, they're going to go take it. And then there will be a fight ensued, right? And they're pulling. And you'll hear words like, mine, 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 mine. They're looking out for themselves. Mine. And Paul talks about, says, when he says here, as one says, I'm of Apollos, and one says, I'm of Paul, what are they talking about? They're saying, well, I'm a better Christian than you are. Because I was saved under Apollos, which was basically like an evangelist at that time. And somebody says, well, I'm a better Christian than you because I was saved under Paul. See, I'm a Paul Christian. Well, I'm an Apollos Christian. See, their pride was in the way. So pride was in the way. Yeah, the lust of the flesh, I want to do whatever I want. And whatever I want's okay because that's what I want. Back in the garden, he wanted to be like God. So, pride, root. Pride comes with that carnal nature. I want to elevate myself. It's about me, 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 me. Mine, 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 mine. Me first. God second. I will do what God wants me to do as long as it's okay with what I'm wanting to do anyhow. And then everything's okay, right? I'm going to, as long as I'm not crossing this line, I'm going to find, I want to do everything that I can that's still legal and still be a called Christian, right? I want to walk as close to the line as I can without going to hell. Now hopefully that's not how we walk, you know. And for some of you, this is a reminder of doctrines you already know. 
But we have to be reminded we, can't, we, we want to be going towards, towards God. We don't want to backslide. We don't want to fall away. Because we can go to the other scripture and talk about if you're Christ, you're not going to keep on, keep continually sinning. But there is this carnal nature. And it gnaws at us. It decays at us. It draws us away. And we're trying to figure out what to do with that. It says, what did we talk about before? In the previous passage of scripture, it says, remember the renewing your mind? We read up another passage when we talk about the mind of Christ. Just keep those in your mind. So, I don't know where you are in your walk. You could be a, in the natural state, meaning not saved. You could be in the carnal state where you're a babe in Christ. And you could be in a state of being what, a spiritual person. One terminology would be entirely sanctified, would be the term, terminology of that. Now, some people have struggle, struggles with some of these places, thinking that once you get to one place, you can't keep growing. Now, the point of it is that you get to a place that you can actually hear all of what God's trying to tell you. Because I'm sure we're familiar with the Scripture. Because, you know, we talk about the Scripture that we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves is the second commandment, but the one right before that is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, or different combinations depending on which particular passage Scripture you're looking at, but basically you're loving the Lord your God with all. Because if He is really Lord, that means He's Lord of, you've given Him Lord to be Lord of all. You've allowed Him to be Lord of all. And see, when we talked about those, those houses, and they come in, and they find, and they they, they start looking around, especially if they're flipping the house. They're trying to add value to the house. But in order to do all those remodels, somebody's got to give them control of the house, don't they? Some of them will have this bantering back and forth and these fighting back and forth, but see, if you give control of the house to actually increase its value for sale, so to speak. Now, we're not talking about selling your soul here. We're about, talking about surrendering. But for God to go in and do some of these remodels, you've got to give him permission to have the control. Because if we go about through our house and we go around like, hey, this is really blocking our view of Christ. It's not my view of the backyard, it's blocking my view of Christ. This is really hindering my relationship with my neighbors, whoever those might be. This is really in the way, so I need to do some remodeling. And when you go to pull and do the remodeling to move that wall on your own, you're going to realize that there's some mold. Or the plumbing's not going to work there. Or there's an electrical problem. There's a root problem that has got to be fixed. It needs to be cleaned out. It's got to be changed around. And so... You have to say, okay, God, this is your house. I need to do some cleanup. Because he's going to want to take out this wall, that wall, and maybe put up some walls to keep you from getting into some things that you shouldn't be getting into. 
And there might be some walls, we might call them personal convictions, they're things that you shouldn't be doing because when you do them, you tend to keep going and get in trouble. So your wall's back here. Yeah, but they don't have to have that wall. That's, God will deal with them. You've got to take care of your house. Let God put the walls where He needs to put the walls and protection so that He can take care of that root mold that's eating you up from the inside. It's that stuff that's corrupting you. We're born with it. But see, we're, we might be running in this babe in Christ phase and we're learning. We're learning. And one of the things we're learning is we're like, hey, I need to let God not just into the entryway, the foyer, the boot room. It's like that, I got to stop treating God like he's a guest. That only led in certain parts of my life. I got to allow him to go into all the house and see all the stuff and all the hidden sins that maybe I've been hiding. Those unforgiven sins that i got to say, Lord, I'm sorry. But there might be, if we haven't surrendered it, there's that carnal nature, that cancer, that cancerous mold, as it were, spiritual mold that's eating. It's behind the walls, and we keep putting paint on it. Forgive me, Lord. But it still keeps coming up. And you keep trying to take it down. It keeps coming up. You still keep it down. You don't have the power to take care of that on your own. It just keeps coming up. Say, okay, Lord, I'm tired. I give up. Just take the whole house. I'm, gonna, I, I'm, I'm just going to let you have the whole house. You go ahead and fix it up. Then when you give him the whole house, then he's going to have to renew the way you think and change how you do things and and he's going to knock out this wall, and it's going to be a little messy. You know, when they do that construction, there's some cleanup, and there's some knockout, some throwout. He's going to knock out that wall, it's going to be a little messy, and you're going to have to grow through that. It's not that you're done growing once you give everything to God, it's that you're, now you're really start, ready to start growing something and doing something for God. So he's going to wipe out that one. And then he's going to go to this one. And he's going to go to this one. And in the meantime, he's going to help give you, you have that power to resist sin. But also, he's going to place you a place where he can enable you, the word might be edification, so that you can be more effective in your witnessing and outreach to God because you've gotten some of these other things out of the way. Because instead of spending time, can you relate to this? Instead of spending time enjoying your family or spending time doing other things, you keep having to fix the house. You think, keep having to do the repairs. You have to keep re going over the same ground. You're not making any progress. You've got to give God the whole house. And let him come and take care of it. So then, we pull this all together, and we look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Remember the house. Remember this house. I've asked for forgiveness of my sins. Jesus has forgiven my sins, but I keep having to battle this. See, I've asked for forgiveness of my sins, so I'm not a natural man now, I'm a babe in Christ. But I've got to move on to the next 
place. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present. I believe that's in what they call the aorist tense. It's a point in time. Your body is a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, which would make you not worldly, worldly anymore, right? But do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, wait, didn't we see this before? The renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We've talked about this passage, if you really want to know God's will for your life, you need to be in a place of surrender, but this all ties together. We have to present our bodies, all of it, a living sacrifice. Take our whole house, all the rooms, even the rooms that if the pastor come over, you wouldn't want to show it. Let Jesus in all the rooms, the ones you've been holding, those hurts you've been holding back, that, those, that unforgiveness that you've been harboring, those bitter feelings that you've been taking care of, they're way to back. God needs to own all of those. And all those attitudes. Then he's going to start shaking them up. It's not that you're going to stop growing. It's that you're just really going to start. The change is going to start then. Everything else you've been kind of doing. You've been forgiveness of sins. But a really change and renewing your mind starts at a point that you give him your whole heart house. And he can come in and there he's created me a clean heart, O God, the psalmist said. And renew a right spirit within me. Created me a clean heart. Clean. So, who owns the deed to your heart house? Are there pockets that he doesn't own? You know, as we add on to our house, whether it's relationships or children, grandchildren, jobs, cars, whatever it is, you know, we need to give God those additions too. We got to keep giving God those additions too. We can't just say, God, you got this, but you know, I got this man cave over here, this is mine. Or woman cave, or whatever you want to call it. This is my stuff, you can't have that. No, when we get those new things, God gets to get them too. God can be part of the decisions on getting them or not, and Decisions on relationships and jobs and all those, it, it should all be part of it. But sometimes we take things back and we start putting secret things away and we have to ask God for forgiveness for the actions that are going on and give that to God. It's an active relationship. It's not a, yeah, I went down and I surrendered my whole life to God and then nothing's changed since. Yeah, that's a problem. That's maybe why you're so sour. Active relationship with God in a place of surrender, and you need to kind of get it cleaned up. God knows. I don't need to know. You might be hiding it from everybody else. But God, the Holy Spirit, sees through the walls, sees the mold, sees the root of sin in there, sees unforgiven sin, that's for sure. You might be backslidden already, and you, you know it, and you've been hiding from everybody else. But if you want to move closer to God, 
you're doing your best. You keep getting tripped up. The best thing you can do is say, God, here is, here is it. I give up. You can have it all. Let's be standing together. Father God, I pray that we would open our heart house for inspection. I pray that we might listen as the Holy Spirit shines His bead of light on the different parts of our life, like a skin. And as the Holy Spirit points out certain things in our life, unforgiveness, maybe we need to make restitution for something, there's, there's an attitude problem, or something else that we haven't given to you that we might surrender to you and say, oh Lord, come and take it all. And Lord, come and cleanse me of this. Lord, we know that it's not that we can't fall back into sin. But Lord, we need the renewing of our mind. And Lord, if we can stay true to you, if we can keep you first and we can let you hold the deed to our life, Lord, if you own the deed of our life and we're all in for you, Lord, backsliding, Backsliding and changing our course from heaven to hell is a thing far from us that we don't have to worry about because we're all in with you. And we're just trusting you. We're being obedient to you. We're only stepping with you. We're talking with you. May we, may we each allow our hearts to be searched today and like the psalmist say, create in me a clean heart, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Lord, see if there's any wicked way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. May each one, the Lord, open their heart. And if they are not surrendered, that they might get surrendered. They might say, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender. I want it all. And then, Lord, would you renew us, remodel us, make us effective for ministry and work and witnessing and walking closer to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed and hearts praying,